the studio of your mom's basement comes a podcast by two idiots and a revolving door of legends and has-beens from the oldest university in Texas. This is Purple, Gold, and Getting Old. So I guess the line between pranks and assault is, does it make you laugh? And that's a very <laughs> fine line because pranks can pretty much be assault if you think about it in certain circumstances. So like, but if it makes you laugh, <laughs> you know, it's like, eh. <laughs> Does that mean we can say whatever we want we want on this podcast? As long as we're laughing, it's not libel or slander. <laughs> I, I think that's like the Ricky Bobby. I said it with all due respect. With all due respect. <laughs> so while at UMHB, what was one of the best pranks you were involved in either doing to others or having done to you? We, as you know, we do follow the golden rule as yes. believers and uh, alumni of UMHB. Like a good uh, the- school should. Absolutely. Well, the greatest prank we ever pulled is actually one we're saving for another episode. So we'll keep the suspense for our listeners. Um, I will give you the the best the I will give you the name of the best prank ever pulled, which we are hoping to have on the next episode, which is called Operation Paper Flood. The best prank that never quite happened that was extensively planned was one called Operation Fire and Flames, which had nothing to do with fire, but we'd been listening to a lot of Dragon Force and playing Guitar Hero while we planned it. And that prank was to capture a bunch of birds on the roof of Gettys because you could jimmy the screen door open. And we had the traps ready, capture all these birds. And we had uh, this guy's apartment we were going to go into. We figured out they never left it locked. And so we were going to go in there, cover his roommate stuff so that he was the target. And we were going to put out plates of bird seed and laxatives. And we were going to have all these bagged birds we'd caught and just release them into the abyss of his room and get out. Incredible. I love it. Pretend it happened. It makes it a better story. Yeah, I get, I get you. You know, I've told stories like that before where like we almost did something. Well, I'll just tell them like I did it. This bus kill uh, brought to you by Topo Chico, which you can't see on my screen. That's right. Oh, nice. Yeah. Unplanned. Exactly. <laughs> Please don't uh, flag us, YouTube. That's not a paid sponsor. <laughs> I wish it was. Uh, you know, I get pranked started really quickly in my days at UMHB. Freshman year, I had a roommate, and I was really obnoxious to that guy. Um you we were obnoxious have, to somebody yeah yeah i thought it was hilarious we um uh so i had another friend who dated this roommate and um you know at umhb we're a baptist school and christian and everyone is very strict with their rules about boys and girls except not everybody my roommate being one of them and so we you would have once a month these hourly visitations <laughs> is that one? thank you jeff payne <laughs> is that jeff payne's uh i wrote the bill jeff presented okay. the bill to tend to push the bill got it and it no happened. i just i just started joking <laughs> visitation sounds like something you do in prison um <laughs> any, no, only if you only if you lived in stribbling <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so there would be these once a month uh, times where you could bring in someone of the under gender into your dorm room to hang out. And so this was the time when my roommate wanted some alone time with my other friend and being the good Christian studies major that I was, I disapproved of what might be going on in there. Shenanigans, we'll call it. Uh, but I was also a prank star at heart. And so I said, yeah, 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 I'll give you space. I'll, I'll be gone. And then I kept coming back into the room pretending I forgot things. Um, and he kept getting progressively madder and my smirk got progressively bigger, uh, until his girlfriend realized what I was doing and like actually thought it was hilarious too, which made him even more mad. So that was just sort of the dynamic of our relationship. But at one point I was really influenced by the office. So I took his cell phone and put it ceiling tile above his bed and just watched him rage out, could not find it. <laughs> and I had never lost a prank war. And in fact, I want to say this is the only prank war I have ever lost. I thought I will go to whatever extent. And so things progressively started, you know, I do one thing, he do another. I can't remember all of them, but I do how it ended because he sure ended it. I walked into my dorm room and I noticed my mattress was not on my bed 
and I noticed some of my things were gone. And then I noticed literally all of my things were gone. All of my, and all of the drawers, my mattress, my pillow, my sheets, my blankets, my bathroom stuff, every single thing that I had in that dorm was gone, could not find it. And I didn't drive much on campus because, you know, everything's just right there. Um, but the, about a day later, I realized because I wasn't going to, I had to give up to get my stuff back and I wouldn't do it. So I'd like tried sleeping on just the bed slats of the wood of those little dorm beds. And then I realized my, my Land Rover was gone. So everything was gone. <laughs> um, I think I gave up after three days of not having stuff, maybe two days. I don't know. It was a long time to not have anything other than the shirt on your back. And apparently all of my stuff was in my Land Rover parked on the other side of campus. And that's when I just finally gave up and said, I just, I need my stuff. He, he had won and I had been defeated. So sad day for me. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like we've got some guests that are coming on that have a pretty epic prank war themselves. Yeah. And uh, kind of to give the audience a scope here, because, you know, we, we're new. We don't really know what range of class years or ages are listening to this. So these guys were involved with a prank war that went on for about two years. Uh, I became a freshman halfway through it. And what people don't realize is it kind of branched off because these guys all lived in a dorm together. They all pranked each other. Then these guys moved off campus and they still had a prank war with the guys who lived on campus. Well, when the guys on campus couldn't go off campus or couldn't figure out when they were at their house, they just start pranking each other. So it kind of just branched into this whole, like we disrupted the timeline and created all these side uh, timelines of prank wars. And, you know, you got to be careful about name dropping on this thing. I had these uh, two neighbors, I'm going to name drop uh, Ryan Brack and Joseph Cantu. If you're out there, I hope you're doing well. Um, these guys, it got ridiculous. So one night I spent about three hours doing homework into the late night. It's dead quiet. Lights are out. My roommate's asleep. So at the end of that three hours, I go to the bathroom. I go to bed. And as I'm getting into my bed, a hand reaches out from under my bed and grabs my ankle and starts to pull me down to the depths of my bed. Brack had waited three hours for me to finish my homework just to do that. So he got sick a few nights later. I crept in their room and I put a bucket of water by their bed and took a cap gun and just started firing it off out next to his head so he jumps out of bed and just splashes i help him clean it up but what i didn't tell him was i put another tub there so the next morning our alarm goes off and me and my roommate we kind of listen to the wall and we hear their alarm go off and the next time we hear is a splash and a bunch of cussing and uh i think i think what ended it was after the two of them waited while i was in the shower jumped out and poured cold water on me with water guns or shot me with cold water um, I decided to bust in with an aerosol can and a lighter, and I just kind of flamed through their room. Um, I guess it's it's been a decade. I can tell people that I almost burned McLean down, and I think that effectively ended it. But even then, there were all these side things going on. And so the guys we're bringing on today were known around campus as the Hall of Justice guys, and um, we are going to bring them on now. I will let them tell you their names, but welcome the Hall of Justice. Recording, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome reunited on this podcast, the men of the Hall of Justice. Gentlemen, how y'all doing? Lovely. Happy to be here. Yeah, doing well. I asked them how they're doing, like I haven't spent the last 10 minutes talking to them. We've been having a good time without our audience already. I'm going to go counterclockwise based on who's on my screen. Dustin, let's start with you. Just got to tell us when you went to school at UMHB and what you've been up to now? Um, I went to school, gosh, 2003 to 2007. Is that right? Yeah, I graduated in seven. Uh, since then, I've done, I've done about three different careers. Is that about right, guys? At least. About right. Are we counting the military? Yeah, we can count that. Um, yeah, I left UMHB and went to Iraq with the Marines, which you'd be surprised how absolutely similar the language, the attitude of the people, just all very much the same. Um, I came back, I did seminary at Baylor at Truett and then worked in nonprofit for like eight years. And now I'm in school um, to give people drugs, but prescription ones. So 
I'm uh, studying to be a, a PA, so I can so I can do that that legally now. So how, how's the illegal side going? I mean, that that sounds intriguing. Uh, I don't know. I have a medical license to worry about. Uh, <laughs> more lucrative. <laughs> Stop recording. We can talk. Yeah, there you go, <laughs> Patrick. Go for it. Yeah. Um, Patrick McDonald, um, went to UMHB, took five years. So it was 05 to 2010. Um, let's see, live in Dallas now, work in a medical lab of all places. Um, just kind of been in service industry, but uh, nothing too technical. Also um, drugs or are you supplying hmm. Dustin? That's what I want to know. Yeah. I'll talk about that later. Um, but no, doing medical lab stuff, nothing too technical, not like running instruments or anything, nothing like a PA school or anything, but more like answering phone calls for doctors and they ask questions about us like do you perform this this test and like i know i call someone else and say do we run that so simple stuff like that so i'm doing that i'm taking classes online as well to be a teacher i'm getting teaching certification so it's very slow i'm imagining it might be done in the fall sometime um but just kind of want to have something to do in the long the long run long term Ooh. and a fun fact for our listeners Patrick was my roommate my sophomore year. It was a blast. Yeah. Todd. Uh, my name is Todd Hartman, and I went to UMHB 2003 to 2008. Also did the victory <clears throat> lap. Um, I've been in Austin ever since graduating. Um, I've been in, in the concert industry. Um, I did a little stint in ministry on the side for a while, and I'm back in the concert industry again. Tim Nation from is... College Station. Haven't heard that in a long, long time. I thought you might not have. Oh, boy. Um, Tim Nation. Uh, I was uh, at UMHB from 2005 to 2010-ish. Um, I'm the only one that didn't actually walk away with a degree, just a whole lot of debt. Um, I'm actually four hours away from a degree. Uh, that That's a absurd story, but... Um, yeah, there was no reason to ever really finish a ministry degree when that wasn't going to end up going that direction. Um, ever since I moved up to Dallas, uh, got a job at a, at a software company and then switched over from customer support over to sales pretty quick. Figured out that I'm really good at talking to people and monetized that and uh, was more or less miserable for about 15, however long it's been since we were in school, like 11 years or 12 years. But I made a stupid amount of money uh, got married and had a couple kids. And so the mortgage kind of boxed me into that. And then, uh, COVID rescued me by getting me laid off. And a buddy of mine <laughs> said, uh, what's it going to take for you to not interview places and come run a restaurant for me? Um, so he more or less just pays my basic bills. And, uh, uh, I run a, a really popular high-end Greek restaurant now in Rockwall. So that's what I do. We should have toga partied this instead of Zoom. Just go up to Rockwall, go to the Greek place, chow down in person. Not opposed. Dude, I may just show up and announce do that. Tell them I know you. <laughs> so we know now when y'all were at UMHB. So the big question, how'd everybody meet? Because I know like a lot of y'all were in McLean Hall as freshmen. You ended up at a house called the Hall of Justice. And we'll get to that too, because I drove by it two days ago. But uh, yeah, take me through that walkthrough. So the way I met everyone, and maybe I don't quite remember Todd around as much. Maybe I don't know where he got plugged into. But the way I met everyone was through Campus Boys. Um, I think everyone came to Campus Boys. And I met them one by one through there. I think I may have met Todd just randomly at the house and just accepted him as part of it. But that's, that's how I remember Todd, at least. But everyone else was through Campus Boys. Dustin and I met all of the three there as well. Okay. I think that yeah. was the first introduction. And then Tim, I think we met on the way to a Reliant K concert. Yep. I knew you through Stuart and all those guys. So I was kind of the, the, the connector to a lot of different people. Um, yeah. So I met uh, Zach and Travis and Asa through McLean. Uh, just meeting people there and and all that and then uh in our uh, in our probably welcome week um and we all started hanging out and i also was friends with uh, a guy named Stuart 
who was uh, buddies and roommates with Todd. And so those were the two groups that I hung out with was the crew that all knew each other from Austin, whom Dustin was like their older friend who went to UMHB. Um, and uh, so like Dustin was like the elder statesman of that group and he like kind of ran things. And so I would hang out with them. And then I would also hang out with these other guys that were a year older of whom Todd was a, was a part of the group. And so Todd and I started playing music together. Um, and then that that's how that got all connected in. When you say Stuart, are we talking about the Stuart who's a journalism major who may or may not have helped start up an illegal fraternity on campus? Because if so, that is probably going to be episode four of this podcast. Allegedly. 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 Yeah, we've got a we've got alpha beta we've got alpha beta say that in the works, so be on the lookout for that. Yeah, uh, I'm 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 not at liberty to speak about anything that Stuart may or may not have done <laughs> because there's a, an equal or possibly more amount of things that we need to check on statute of limitations for. Can you still be put on double secret probation? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I've known. Asa, Zach, and subsequently Zach and Trav since 99, 2000, something like that. Wow. Um, we grew up in the same, roughly the same city. Um, <clears throat> and then I was at MHB a year before them, obviously. And I did meet most of the other folks through Campus Boys. I think my sophomore year, I was helping out with uh, leadership with that. So it was a great method of connection and involved with BSM and those kinds of things. So you meet people. And I'm just let the audience. So Zach and Travis may actually pop in at any given moment. We're not really sure. So um, Zach's message said he can't make it. Darn. Well, I actually met all these guys. I met Patrick as a preview student because he stole everyone's mattress on our hall, got the RA's key and we didn't know where our beds were. And at the end of the night, we found out it was Patrick. Um, then later we ended up being roommates. Uh, met. Tim and Dustin and pretty much everyone mentioned there uh, through our friend Robin. She's like, hey, you need to come hang out with these guys. We're watching, they're watching a football game tonight. I was like, cool. Um, and I remember that me being an AM fan and Dustin being a Texas fan, AM was playing Oklahoma that night. So we were kind of bonded by this common enemy in front of the TV. And uh, yeah, and then I was in crew nights with Zach and Travis. So it's kind of like just like y'all stories, one thing kind of led to the other. But when uh, y'all were in McLean, I know pranks were a big thing and that kind of continued for a while. And one thing we alluded to in the intro of the episode was there was just kind of this prank war that went back and forth between all these people. And me not having been there for the first year of that, I'm opening the floor for best prank stories that you guys can come up with. Well, uh, I'll jump in and say we didn't call them pranks. Um, they were officially known as far as we were concerned as shenanigans. Um, and the shenanigans, there would be a text that would go out that would say shenanigans are afoot and people would just come like there would be no discussion. It would just happen. Um, and yeah, we Sometimes actually, started, it's just one word. Yeah. Shenanigans. Yep. Uh, and yeah, stuff would just happen. Uh, and everybody sort of had their own little, little role to play, which is one of the biggest reasons I'm super bummed that Zach's not here. Cause he was more or less like lighter fluid. What's yeah. that? Started like, everything. Yeah, like we Zach would never come up with anything, but we would just get Zach to do stuff. <laughs> Always, I mean, like Zach is even even if he wasn't the spark at that point, like you could throw a spark at charcoal; it's not doing anything. But like you put lighter fluid on it, like you a small <laughs> spark, like something bad is going to happen, and that's kind of the role that Zach plays in the world. So here's my favorite story whenever I'm telling people about our group and giving people an understanding of who Zach was. Um, I used to say that Zach, or I always say that Zach was, uh, he was an only child. And so he liked to stay, keep his group very small. Um, he liked us and he decided pretty early on in freshman year that everybody other than us, he didn't like. Um, so he just liked us and everybody else he could, could go to hell. And he would be a very loyal, excited lab puppy. That's basically who Zach was. Um, <laughs> very rambunctious, very messy, very dangerous, but very loyal. Um, and so a great example of that was when we first moved into the Hall of Justice, 
uh, and Dustin, you, you're in the middle of this story. Uh, Asa and I were in the living room. Uh, Asa and I were in the living room uh, watching TV one night and Katie Potts and I think Alicia were over at our house and they were flirting with Dustin and they took uh, a, do- a stuffed dog, was it? And oh, took God. off, yeah. And, yeah, took off a dog. and jumped into Katie Potts's car. And this dog, stuffed dog was apparently a dog that Dustin had had since he was a child. And Dustin's got a thing about specific items that he's really connected to. No, so, this, was a, this was a more re- recent acquisition. Yeah, okay. I just, I, I until, until my dog, I only become attached to inanimate objects because in college I was uh, psychosocially and emotionally unavailable. Sure, sure. So I had to attach to something. Um, so these girls were flirting with Dustin and grabbed that dog and ran and thought that it was really cute and funny. And this was, it was like 40 degrees outside. And another part of the story is Zach always was never completely naked, but was always the most naked. (laughs) So whatever anybody else was, he was more naked than that. And almost always he would, he just lived his life in basketball shorts. And that was pretty much, I think Todd was the most naked. Todd took it as a child. Well, only in um, Todd would be the most naked. Yes. He, <laughs> yeah. Only when we didn't run the air conditioner. Right. But Zach so this was fe- but this was February in this story. So Zach was the most naked. So Zach was wearing uh, uh, basketball shorts only. And he was hanging out in his room, which was at the back of the house. And uh, and so the girls took off with the dog and jump in their car. And I just hear Dustin scream, Zach! They got the dog. And Zach has no idea what we're talking about. He has no idea if this is an actual dog. He has no idea if this is a toy. But Zach couldn't care less. And Zach runs from his room and we just hear dunk, 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 of him sprinting down the hall and slamming into the front door and out the front door. The girls have gotten into the car and he's now jumped on top of their car. So he's on top of their car riding it and and they're trying to they're like we're gonna drive off and he's like you better not you better not and this is uh, a explorer i think so not like short tv car like it's and he hopped on the roof of the car so as they they start to slowly move down the road and zach now gets down in like a three-point stance to like hold on to the car but he can't like get down on it because it's freezing and the cop of the car is freezing and uh and so he shouts at them um, if you don't stop, I'm going to piss on the car. Uh, and they, they say, whatever. And so he's Zach. So he goes ahead and three point stance, you know, pulls the shorts down and pees on the top of their car. They hear that on the top of their car and stop, which causes the urine to run down the front of the car and into the vents. Um, at this time, Todd has been summoned, uh, and has got Todd and somebody else and has boxed in their car. Um, so they stopped and so Todd and somebody else like had boxed in their car. And so they can't now move and their, their car is now smelling significantly of urine. And they start negotiating to try to get the dog and the girls are being tough about it. And Todd says, if you don't give us the car or the dog, I'm going to uh, let the air out of your tires. And before they can really say anything, and this is a great example too of where things would eventually lead to, Uh, We always said that Todd doesn't understand escalation. Todd begins at escalation. Um, So Todd just takes a key and immediately goes into the, to the air on the tires um, and starts letting out the air on the tires. Meanwhile, Dustin and I are just hanging out in the living room watching TV. uh, And, uh, and so eventually the girls give the dog back and they just walk back and leave the girls down the street stranded. And uh, all of our phones get lit up. Zach walks in and just tosses the dog to Dustin and walks back to his room and says nothing. And all of our phones light up from these girls blowing up our phones. And we refuse to answer (laughs) until Asa walks through and just judges us and goes and fixes things for them. And that's pretty well how shenanigans happened and who Zach was in the mix. I've heard a very abbreviated version of that story and had no idea all that unfolded. Yeah. That was the last time Katie ever came over. Eventually, we had one car in front of them, one car behind them, so they couldn't move. Zach remaining on top of the car in the cold, and Todd letting the air air out. And at some point, they tried to negotiate for us to like 
help control <laughs> their tires, which like there was no bargaining chip at this point. Yeah, who holds all the cards? Not you. <laughs> yeah, we, we all eventually all came back at once and then Asa left to go make it better. Um, yeah, we, we knew he would help them out. There was another good one uh, that involved Audrey and Robin where I think it was, it was a few different like back and forth, like, and this was gradual escalation, like by the purest definition of it. Uh, there were multiple rounds before it got to this point, but at one point we ended up taking uh, their, I think your brother helped with this one, Tim. Uh, we ended up taking both their cars and completely mummifying them in Crisco. Oh, yep, that's, that's a thing. Picking up, uh, I, I forgot how many people it took, but we took Audrey's car, picked it up, and set it like drunkenly staggered across the curb at uh, Burke, where she was an RA. Was this around 2007, probably? I, I heard about that. We did something similar where we picked up Jen's little Miata and moved it like an entire neighborhood over. Do you guys remember the, the one with... And Dawson was, I think, the one on whom uh, we were seeking retribution for. You talking about the flower door? This would have been the wall of flower, yes. Uh, I forgot who the girls were. They were in the new Tryon 2 apartments. I just remember they were both nurses. Yep. Yeah, they had to get up super early in the morning, so which meant they went to bed super early. And... Some something that they did to Dawson that had Dawson summon us for help. And we ended up basically making a encasing of... He said, he asked us, and I quote, end this war. He said, end it. He said, we've been going back and forth. I need you guys to end it. We said, oh, gosh. All right. So this was a, basically we took saran wrap, covered the inside of the door frame, filled it about chest high with flour. When it started to give way under its own weight, we went to the landscaping outside and relieved them of all their limestone bricks and built a wall rather and used, what was it? Tim, was it like flour and eggs? And we made a makeshift mortar yep, yep. to fit all of these bricks together, which would then hold up the saran wrap and then the wall of flour under its own weight. A shocking amount of flour. Like it, it was- I don't exciting. actually know where we got all this flour from. Wa Wa Walmart. Like we kept going back to Walmart because we kept needing more flour. This, yep. was, this was a lot of flour. So, so the idea, of course, was, yeah. When they opened the door, there's a wall of flour that fell on top of them when they got I, up for the early morning nurse shift. Oh, gosh. I never heard that one. <laughs> it was a horrible thing to do to people that we didn't know. <laughs> I think that makes it 10 times better of a story. But this was kind of the degree of loyalty, though. Like, we didn't ask questions. It was a, hey, one reference needs our help. We're going to hurt some people, but you know what? We got to do, take care of business. Dawson's and, one of those people too. You can tell if he's serious and he's like, just put a stop to something. It's kind of like, let's put a stop to something. Yep. Yep. And I that's think this was actually the night he came into Zach's room. We were all in there watching some YouTube video or something. He came into Zach's room screaming, Hussies. Yep. That's probably about right i remember that night was was fun because we used like we got like a big whiteboard and we were like coming up with ideas and like drawing schematics and all kinds of stuff like that um there was always the uh there was always the 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 nuclear plan that we had in the back pocket of uh changing the eco ecosystem of temple belton by uh we had we had priced out buying like ten thousand ladybugs and having them shipped to us and then like putting those in somebody's drawer or something like that. And that would have like legitimately shifted ecosystem 
It was the nuke we never we never pulled though. Like because you can you can basically purchase them cryo frozen. And they'll ship to you in a block. And as they slowly thaw, they wake up and disperse. So they come in this basic, this like brick of 10,000 ladybugs. Wow. And that was always kind of like, that was the, that was the red switch that like, it had to get bad to pull that card. But at the back of our minds, we all kind of knew like, this is where we have to go if it gets there. Patrick, I, you may remember, we kind of had one like that that never went through, uh, involving capturing birds on the Getty's roof to put in somebody's apartment. <laughs> we never oh, never yeah. went never went through with it, but uh, the, it was a pretty solid plan, but it was just kind of not worth it in the end. But I'm going to save that for a different episode. Um, all right, so the way I kind of understand it, you know, it's like when you guys all moved to the house, um, there was still like people who were involved with these shenanigans still in McLean. And I know Patrick and I spent a lot of time with them, like John Gross, Josh Hobrosh, that whole crowd. And what ended up kind of happening over time was if they didn't want to go prank anyone like at the Hall of Justice house or something, it's kind of like, well, let's just get people in McLean. So you guys geographically left the battlefield in that location, but it branched into a lot of others. And I'm going to try to get those guys on to talk about some of those pranks because that one... That one kind of came to a head, I think, with the uh, Operation Paper Flood, which will be told another time. Uh, but Patrick was very much a part of that with us. And what I what I feel like it was the kind of like end all for the crossover between McLean at the time and the Hall of Justice was the death of TPD. And I was confused because I didn't hear about it when it happened. And usually I was one of the first people to either be the victim of or hear about this stuff or be the person that did it. So on this thing, I saw this Facebook event pop up for like a funeral for TPD, and I had no clue what I was looking at. So take me through y'all's side of that, because I have a very limited kind of came in at the end perspective of that story. First off, Trevor was a saint and a family man, and I think we need to honor and respect and recognize that. Um, I will give you the first part of the chronology. Uh, I think it was the day of formal, probably. Um because some of us were headed out of town for uh, we were going down to play an ultimate tournament in Georgetown and then go down to formal that night, which is um, what you can do when your body is 20 ish years old. Right. And we walked out of the house and there was toilet paper everywhere. I mean, it was, it was a good job, you know, like it, it, it was well done. And so I shouted into the house, and of course, Zach is the first one out the door, uh, which is easy when you don't have to get dressed because dressed is not a thing that you do. And he came out and looked, and as we are standing there, I don't remember who else is out the house at this point, but as we're standing there, Trevor falls from a tree, dead. As Zach tells it, he, he heaves several times. <laughs> breathe damn you breathe so there's a funeral for him of course i saw like a bunch like people are invited to that or something so so before the funeral there's a chase yeah there there was a lot of stuff that happened before the funeral the funeral was the culmination of a quite a few things zach Zach was one of those people that he just needed a little bit of runway and then once he got momentum things took off uh you know foreshadowing his future career yeah, i was about to say was that a was that a nod to the air force yeah he so he's a fighter pilot now which should frighten all of us um <laughs> uh so he uh he can pee on the roof of your car from the sky folks <laughs> probably has i was inverted um so he uh so when once this once this beloved uh, house uh, comrade known as Trevor Nuts Petey uh, falls from the from the tree and and breathes his last. Zach immediately takes that as a uh, as of an opportunity to begin legitimately getting upset for this comrade that is now, of course, he was a part of our family um, and creates this extremely large thing of this wasn't a prank this was an assassination um and begins like 
a full-on investigation uh starts planning out like multiple steps of like bringing people into the house to interrogate about it um like putting together alibis and like timetables like writing down where people were at different times who they're oh, saying they're goodness. with and then cross-referencing and it legitimately took a lot of time and effort like this was zach's job for like a week um and all it did for us was we just we just poured gas you know we just kept putting oil on the fire which was kind of my job okay i got so it recording somebody again. would return to the scene of the crime right right and we ended up i forgot who we used on the campus police but basically running some license plates which the campus police shouldn't legally do but well, let me interject real quick uh just to kind of give you another uh point of view on that while i'm doing homework in my room one day and there's a pounding on my door preach busts in he's like did you saran wrap up freaking squirrel to my windshield or whatever I mean, he's like going off and that was a little bit after all this and so i was like no why would i put a squirrel on your windshield and i started thinking i'm like did somebody dig up the squirrel that they buried over at the place the other day but before that we'd heard that you know it's like oh somebody killed that squirrel at the hall of justice they're out for blood you know and i remember hobrach and i were talking where i was like dude we don't want to flare all that up again like the pranks like we've it's branched into all these side wars by now. We don't want to like get into a head on head with these guys. And so then I see John Gross, like right after that, he's like, I think they think it's us. It's like, I don't know who it is, but we didn't do it. And we Patrick, pretty... Patrick was being uh, delightfully mum about all of it right about that time. Well, Patrick was I, hanging I can, out in our remember. house as we are trying to figure out who this son of a bitch is. Yep. and is legitimately mean, like holding bright lights in people's faces and right and he's just sitting there watching all of this did a very fantastic job i'd say of keeping his cool during all of it yeah um, my, my job was basically just sit there and be quiet like you usually do and, and just listen to what they're saying and try to figure out is this real oh gosh it is real um just, so just after the, sit there patrick so after the funeral Somehow we got a false we've lead. To, we've got to get that it was preach. So, so what I heard what happened with preach was that some. So I know what I did is that I like late one night, bored to death. I was roommates with Tevin, and Tevin wasn't home that weekend. So, like at two a.m., I said, "I'm bored. I'm going go buy toilet paper from Walmart. I'm going to their house. I'm just going to toilet paper it." Um, and went to bed and woke up at like three p.m. the next day and said, "What is going on?" Like. I slept hard and said, oh, what have I done? Um, and so from there, I just said, lay low. Don't go over for a couple, maybe a week. And then I came over and said, oh, okay, it's real. Um, and so somewhere, like it was three weeks. Um, and somewhere in those three weeks, I told Preach. And I, he was the only person I told, which gosh, what a poor decision to tell anybody before I tell Preach. Um, <laughs> And so from what I heard later was that basically Preach came over one time and got duct taped to a chair. Um, it was interrogated with like a, a lamp by Zach and saying like, did you do this? Who did, who did this? And Preach, I imagine, tried to not say anything, but realized at some point, I'm not going anywhere if I'm duct taped, duct taped to this chair. Like I have to say something to get out of here. And he, he, he told. All right, I've got to interject for a second. I need this, I need to be understood like, when Zach gets really excited about stuff like this legitimately like we blurred where it's like this is a joke to where like this became a thing like it became real like Trevor Nuts PD was what he became known as TPD um became a real person that we were like legitimately upset about like it wasn't a bit so much that like we we like the the illusion got blurred and it got weird real fast like it was a real thing uh and that's where, the, that's where the funeral came from where like we all legitimately were in suits and like there was you know flowers and candles and a 21 airsoft gun salute uh there was a legitimate 10 minute long uh eulogy that zach gave 
which was the most absurd thing that I'd ever heard in my life. Um, and we, we buried him, uh, you know, and, you know, everybody, you know, said our piece and, and, and respected and, you know, and then set out to, you know, vow revenge. And so that was the, the context for the weird that came out of this. Like every once in a while, I'd be like, we're doing this for a, for a toy, a, a mediocre toilet papering job, right? <laughs> no, no, we're doing this about a murder. Got it. Okay. Well, I got I got to give Patrick credit because I mentioned earlier in this episode, I met Patrick as a preview student. And the first thing I had, so Patrick was like super quiet and barely spoke to us and kind of went on his way. So at the end of the night, he was the last person we as preview students would have expected to have stolen every mattress out of every bed in that hall of Gettys and thrown them in the community bathroom. And I was like, dude, this guy's an animal. And so then we, you know, fast forward two years, we're roommates and all that. He was playing very mum during this whole thing. And um, I just remember that John and Josh kept getting increasingly nervous and this is just like, they're like these guys think it's us. It's going to re-escalate into a brain. Oh, is that the funeral picture? It is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so studied, we studied all of those pictures things. too, to see, because we knew that whoever did it would be there. Yeah. yeah. So it was about three weeks after this that, you know, we had somehow we had basically landed on it. It was preached who'd done it and he is going to pay for it. So what we ended up doing was exhuming the now three-week buried dead squirrel, saran wrap them to peach to preach's windshield, and, and then covered the rest. Of, yeah, and then covered the rest of his car in peanut butter. I believe there was uh, uh, Vaseline under the door handles as well. Honestly, did not even know whose car that was until right now. Really? <laughs> yeah, I had no clue. I was like, oh, "Officer, help us run the license plates and find it." Wow. I, well, he he bought a dime, it. Todd. Hey, can you bleep out Officer Jackson's name there? Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, the dolphin uh, deep there. Yeah, there's a dolphin. <laughs> I'm that is incredible. Well, like, so you know, they, they say like the truth is always this side, this side, and then somewhere in the middle. Because like my perspective had always been that. Because Patrick hung out with both our groups. And I thought Patrick played it, which he kind of did, to where it was like, it would look like Preach did it. And then it would look like y'all attacked his car or something like that, which, you know, not too far from the truth. I just thought Patrick was like, you know what? I'm just going to pit these two groups against each other and watch it unfold. I think Patrick just stumbled into that amazing. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd only come over a couple times before then. <laughs> uh, maybe like two, twice, maybe three times. So I knew where it was. And I was familiar with it. I was familiar enough with most of the guys, but to the point where I knew I could get away with this, um, that you know, no one would, no one would find me. No one would try to get me back or anything. I thought. Um, so that's how that went. Basically, was was just me knowing enough about where they were living, saying, "Yeah, I'll be with these guys. I've met Travis and Zach before, and Tim. Like, why not?" Up until this day, I thought it was a grand plan to frame, preach, and pit two house groups against each other i didn't realize it was because you were just bored on a friday night oh that was exactly it yeah so i had no clue what to do i was like yeah why not like i can't fall asleep what am i gonna do go tp someone's house let's start a war <laughs> let's, let's do it yeah um so what happened after you put it on preacher's car he thought i did it for a second he comes into my room well he didn't think i did it but he thought i knew who did it and I, told, I was like, dude, I don't even have half the story of what this whole squirrel thing is everyone's talking about. And so I'm sitting there super confused. He's like, I had to spend all my gas money for going home on cleaning my car and getting the smell out and all this. And I was like, here's 20 bucks for gas. Merry Christmas. You know, like, well, I was like, if I hear anything, I'll let you know. And it wasn't, I don't remember how long it took. I think it was like a week or two later before we finally heard the details come in. But I, know, I just know Hobrach was relieved because he, th he really thought it was about to be just an all out world war five between the two of us he was all, he was at the top of our list as well it yeah was kind of between those two and everybody so was at the top of his yeah we had a uh we had again the whiteboard we had a whiteboard list of suspects that were ranked and were based on based on alibis and stories and interviews were being adjusted daily uh where the where the ranking and most likely scenario was I know at some point TPD ended up on my car. 
And I don't know if Preach maybe just found out, like, I don't, maybe hearing all this now, I never knew it ended up on Preach's car. Oh, we have a guest. I love what we've um, pieced together. Yeah. So I, I, I'm wondering, did y'all come back and get the squirrel or did Preach just say, Patrick, this was you and put it back on my car? Here's, that would seem like the thing that mm. makes the most sense. However, Preach left that next day because I, I, I gave him gas money to get out of town because he was like blowing all his immediate pay on the getting it clean so um only made him look more guilty by the way yeah well it, it sounds like something john and josh would have done as retribution in his place however i think they were gone too i don't know i like and it wasn't me because i'd be like heck yeah i did it but no <laughs> I, I don't have a clue so that mystery remains a mystery after a decade so kind of like easing out of the uh tragedy of trevor so UMHB based questions from when y'all were there. Um, what is like a tradition or something? I mean, obviously y'all were involved with Campus Boys. What's something else that you were like your favorite thing you were involved in? And then what's something you wish you'd taken more part in? I played a ton of Ultimate Frisbee while I was there. Um, I played with the club team. Actually, I guess helped start the club team. Um, I later played again at Baylor and it was just like, it was fun to watch them because Mary Harden had been like the head of their curve. And mm -hmm. so I played a lot of ultimate. We played a lot of ultimate in the evenings. I broke uh, the quarterback's nose with the back of my head doing that. Um, and that's for a while that football players weren't allowed to play ultimate Frisbee anymore because they were afraid they were going to get hurt. Huh. Um, which is pretty great. Um, I don't know what I wish I'd gotten involved in. I mean, there was a lot going on on campus um oh you know what getting married in your 20s i wish that i had taken part in that trend um, <laughs> no you don't not not you because don't. i think it's a particularly good idea but it just seems like i really missed out on belonging you know yeah that that was the thing to do did you even go to umhb right <laughs> did we lose patrick no i'm here oh okay cool he's just getting naked there he is yeah uh that's a trend that i wish that i hadn't joined so you know that's <laughs> you're welcome dustin right. um yeah that one uh that one didn't go great for me which is coming full circle why i ended with uh four hours left in my degree um no uh let's see what uh what i was glad that i took part in um so this is a very inside thing, but uh, freshman year, we had a freaking ton of fun with Chris Trickett. Uh, oh, he was yeah. Dead, and uh, he, he had a game that we got super into that we would play for hours on end called Silent Football, mm -hmm. um, which was an absurd game. But basically the game was just about trying to make each other laugh. But the whole game was that you're not allowed to laugh. Um, and we would play this game for literally hours at a time in the middle of the quad and we would uh, uh especially because Trickett would like completely sell out for the game like he would go all in and make it super serious and super uh intense like and then he would be really funny um those were like some of the funnest uh things to be a part of that and you know going to going to Austin for concerts and things like that on the regular um we always would say like something that is nobody believes us uh believes me when i tell them stories about our college hijinks and shenanigans um we did all of this completely sober none of us were drinkers at all um and, and like we just didn't we did stupid drunk things all the way sober like that was just what we did and largely is because there was nothing going on in town you know i grew up in college station where everybody has a million things to do. Uh, and so nobody comes up with fun things to do because everything's made for you in Belton. There's a lake and you can leave town if you want to go do something. Um, so we would come up with fun stuff to do and we would just entertain ourselves. Uh, start. I mean, the very first prank I remember doing was at uh, echo base. What was it? Echo base two, echo base three uh, was the, the, um the the bomb thing that we like compressed 
in a in a uh, soda can for the people that live below us and we like lowered it down with a string until it exploded in front of their door um and that was because the people below us were were getting it i mean we just we did stuff that we had no business doing you know we we created napalm and created and and committed a felony on accident um <laughs> because zach was bored one night because his girlfriend wouldn't call him back and so you know he was bored and looked up online how to make napalm and said, Tim, I figured out how to make napalm. And so I texted shenanigans and everybody came running and we just figured out, okay, we've got napalm. So what are we going to do with it? Um, so we it just smelled like stuff. gasoline for two days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then went to church the next day and we're like, what did we do? Yeah. Like, so that was, I mean, the best stuff was stuff that we just came up with because we had nothing there for us to do. So that's why when people look at their, oh, you're undergrad, man. It was like, uh, it's like small and strict. There was nothing to do. It sounds boring. I'm like, no, you, you make it your own. It, it's, you get out of it what you put into it. 100%. Patrick, you were talking about blowing up the can. You remember the, uh, was it the three liter dry ice bomb rolling down the Belton Dam or whatever it was under that car? Oh, gosh. Yes. <laughs> so our old group were making, was it Hobrach working yeah. for? university or something got a hold of some dried ice from some event and just put some bottles together and we started blowing them up and stuff and we got like the whole group together beside lake belton and blew a big one up and it, it just went it was just a lot it was huge so far it was the biggest one yet and when it went off we all just kind of stood there and shot like wow everyone just stood there for about 15 seconds and then a cop car drove past with his lights on, just speeding right past us. But we were below below the dam. So it drives past above us and doesn't see us at all. And I was the first person to wake up and kind of go, guys, it's that was meant for us. Like, we need to get out of here. I went like running up to everyone saying, shaking them going, we need to leave now. Um, and slowly everyone kind of got out of their um, mental state. I remember Carlton was the first one going, okay, Patrick's got a point. We should probably get packed up and, and leave and go back. But yeah, that was wicked. I think John, is that the same one John said went under somebody's car before it went off? Like there was one, I remember at some point when it rolled under somebody's car and then went off, it caused like a huge thing, but. Yeah, he, he probably would roll under someone's car thinking this could be destructive. Todd, what would, what would, what was something you were always a part of that you were glad you were? Oh gosh, um, it just seemed like there was always so much going on. And kind of like what Tim said, there it wasn't because there was stuff to do at Belton because there wasn't. There was no like, you know, entertainment scene or anything like that. You know, we had to track 45 minutes to Austin to see a show or something like that. But uh, between that, uh, playing in a handful of bands during my time there, uh, BSM stuff seemed like there's always something BSM had going on every weekend. So between that on one end of the spectrum and like getting in trouble on the other end of the spectrum um, or creating it or finding it or however you look at it, um, you know, there was, it seemed like there was never really a dull moment. So, you know, the five years that I look back on there were just jam packed full of stuff. Uh, plenty of fond memories, weekend trips. Uh, yeah, just a lot of stuff that um, honestly, a lot of I haven't really revisited in my memory up until, uh, you know, today. Stuff that, you know, you guys telling stories reminds me of something that I haven't thought about in probably 13 or 14 years, which is pretty wild. That's honestly hearing you say this kind of what we were hoping for this podcast get some reunions together dig up some stuff hopefully all good and uh make it work dig up some stuff i see what you did there yeah oh there yeah <laughs> did, did y'all want to talk some more about tim's divorce or my <laughs> inability to find spouses does that one need to be uh clipped out or uh what <laughs> oh no 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 that's uh that's a vital part of how things went yeah that's yeah. oh. true 
That was the, uh, that was the the uh, C four that eventually dish- blew up the 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 hall at some you know. Well, okay, you mentioned the hall, and I know we don't have a whole ton of time left. Um, I meant to ask earlier who named it the Hall of Justice. Like, where who brought? Well, that was Travis. Um, Travis trying to come up with a name, and he had some sort of Facebook event I think made for, like, you know, come and see our house, and he couldn't think of anything to put and so he just made some kind of thing on paint paint program of hall of justice circle and just put everyone's face and a name to it and that was that that's how the name stuck and then i made bored one night for like two hours on the computer i make some kind of use paint program and take in some characters from dc comics and and copy paste them in and, and change things like um dustin was in the marines so i replaced the superman logo with usmc marines logo or something like that and so slowly i put in like six different characters and just named them like yeah this is this is that person this is that person so i think from there it really stuck because they knew about it and everyone saw that i vaguely remember that just like a t- I, I vividly remember the the house party but like i vaguely remember you making that picture yeah we, I did, just remember- uh, we did name all of our places that we lived so the the green dragon was the apartment um which was a Lord of the Rings reference, and then Echo Base <clears throat> One and Two were the were the uh, the cold uh, rooms that we had in McLean. Um, because there was our apartment, crazy. huh? Two was our apartment when Zach oh, yeah, and yeah. moved in with me. Yeah. Right. Echo Base One, Echo Base Two. Yep. Whose apartment did I come to? When it, I think I had like stadium leveled the couches or something like that. Echo Base Two. That Stop. was okay. Stop. That was your place. Because all I remember is, uh, I think it was uh, our friend uh, Renee showed up and everyone sang her name, but I didn't, I, my back was turned. And so I turned around, I was like, what is everyone, like, I didn't know what was going on half the time. Yeah, so, Zach, I think, spent an entire summer building those risers for the couches. Zach's right. a guy that commits, man. He finds yeah. a bit and he just leans into it. Zach became a Jedi. Remember that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can I tell that story real fast? You have to now. <laughs> okay so uh one of zach and travis's favorite things to do was uh to to shoot each other when they were unaware with uh with the airsoft uh pistols and so uh and zach as we've mentioned a, a handful of times was always not naked but the most naked um so he was hanging out in in basketball shorts as he was like to do and uh and travis popped in with the airsoft uh with the airsoft gun and zach was just fed up with it at this point because he just kept getting stung and uh he ran into uh dustin's uh room and came out with the katana a wooden katana now dustin was this yours or aces i assumed it was yours it's mine okay so a wooden katana uh and he was like you know threatening travis with the katana and travis just kept shooting him and because he knew that he wasn't going to actually attack him with the katana so he just kept getting popped with with the with the things over and over and then zach was like hey i got an idea let me see if i can get this jedi style and so he was like okay i'm ready and he would get you know shot three times in a row and he would like he's like "Ow, ow, ow right and a couple of times this happened and i'm sitting there watching this whole thing unfold and i was like zach you know why this isn't working he goes why I said, because you're using your eyes, man. You got to go blindfolded and use the force. And he's like, you're absolutely right. So he goes and gets uh, a t-shirt and like covers his head with it. And I swear to God, the first three, he actually blocked like. And then there was like silence and he pulls it off and he goes, I'm a Jedi. And just starts running out of the apartment, running through the, the apartments, just screaming that over and over and over. I'm an effing Jedi. I'm an effing Jedi. I'm an effing Jedi. And from that point on, Zach was a Jedi. I mean, I think we all knew the Force was strong with him, but I've never heard that. It's true. Now I'm imagine him with an F-35. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, America. All right. <laughs> So 
Last question I have on my little list here. Um, speaking of incredible talents of sorts. Oh, that was a terrible segue. Anyway, athletics, favorite sports-based memory you have from UMHB? Uh, getting banned from football games at the, on the couch crew. I didn't even pull that off. How would you do? I mean, we just, we were not allowed to go. They, they told us to stop going because we were harassing people and whatnot. Oh, you mean I, you specifically or the whole? The, the group as a whole, but I remember it was the, uh, when we printed off a picture of the quarterback's girlfriend in like a giant mosaic and we were going to hold it up uh, in the, in the end zone whenever they were close. <laughs> and that's what got us, uh, got us banned. Uh, it, you know, part of me wonders why they just like disbanded the entire group in 2012. But then there's other times where I'm like, how did we make it that far? Yeah, it was unacceptable what we did. We were those guys. Like we were the we were the Texas Tech of D3. It's it's crazy, y'all. I will tell you, because after y'all left, it took about two years, especially when Tatenda graduated and I kind of took over. The, the freshmen and sophomores who came in at the end thought we were just the meanest and most vile people in the world. But really, compared to what it was when I was a freshman, it really wasn't. Like, I think the peak of meanness was when Dustin Barksdale was running it. But really, I mean, it's, it kind of just unfolded over time. It's like, oh, that's offensive. They're soft. They got soft. <laughs> like, when you're winning a game by 60, you got to make it more entertaining. Yeah, and the other's expense is the natural place to do that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, I wish we would have played more Halo. It's probably all sports I would played. <laughs> I think intramural sports was the most exciting set of sports related activities at Mary Harden. We almost got into a fight one night at an intramural game. And that was kind of like par for the course because you like, we weren't that we were competitive in, in, in important in one sport. And so you had to have that like other kind of outlet. So, you know, Patrick became a squirrel murderer. And others of us uh, almost got invited in intramural games and um, had to invent cuss words that we could say at intramural games. So, yeah, I think that was a lot of fun. We, uh, we did end up inventing a uh, sport by the name of scooter jousting. My yes. sophomore yes. year. Very banned. Sophomore that got, no, junior year. That got banned my freshman year. So that would have been 06, yeah, 07. We're, we're sophomore <laughs> years because I had just joined it when it got banned. I was there for like a week. I think that yeah, was this would have been like fall 05, something that like that. Stuart. That was another Stuart Todd. Stuart. That was uh that was our old apartment. And Jimmy, it was another Andy Wayland. Uh, yeah, we were super bored one night. We had these scooters and we found these carpet tubes, like from rolls of carpet, super thick cardboard that are just big enough to fit your whole arm and like all the way up to the shoulder. And somehow we got the idea of uh, jousting with these in the parking lot over by Davis. And uh, you would run it as fast as you possibly could. And I mean, people had like just these massive hematomas, like going just entire bicep, like, I don't know how entire shoulders were not dislocated completely during this. but it became a thing. And from that one night, there became like just multiple iterations of that. And it went on for a handful of weeks, I think, before- There were tournaments. And yeah. there, became, there was rules with, uh, cause there was like the extendo, like lightsaber things. So like once you got knocked off, it then turned into fight the, it, out. it then turned into the sword fight. And there was like a, a point-based system, yeah. Body strikes, head strikes, all of it, yeah. What was really cool is when you were just uh, passing by and didn't know one was about to happen, <laughs> just see two people go for it. It's like, oh, I'll clear the way, but this is happening right now. Nobody's safe. I believe it got banned because somebody broke their sternum. That was the main, the main reason I never did it, because I recognized it's like a great way to break your arm. Like somebody, yes, somebody did break something. Why it didn't happen sooner, honestly? It was mm -hmm. the... You know, we're making contact with each other's chests, trying to make them off, like knock them off. Like outside of the arm that you're that you're, you know, you're slamming into somebody's chest with a carpet tube. Awesome. Well, guys, I think we're about to get kicked off for the second time because again, I'm cheap. But I want to say that uh, on my behalf and Tyler's, even though he couldn't be here for the whole interview, this is the kind of stuff that's exactly what we're aiming for with this podcast. Good reunions, good stories, all that. 
personal note, it's just cool to do this because it's good to see all of y'all again. And it's not often you get to connect with this many people at once from an era. So it's for me, it's just really cool to get to do that. And uh, the group chat setting this thing up is has been quite fun to keep track of. Tyler was confused out of his mind. He's like, I don't know these dudes, but I guess you're reading this whole conversation. I'm like, yep, I got you. So guys, I, just, I appreciate all of you. And it's good to see all of you again. Thanks for, you for having us. Thanks for doing yeah. it. It's Thanks, a pretty old thing to start a Facebook message thread with this group. <laughs> we had some epic discussions. <laughs> I mean, before like group texting was even a thing. Yep. But just like the arguments about, you know, like who would win in a fight, Peter Pan or Jesus Christ himself. No, no, no. <laughs> Peter Pan or Santa. Peter Pan or Santa. Or what that about was, uh, uh, Luke, like Skywalker Luke Skywalker versus Wolverine? Yep. Yeah. Nice. Well, all right. That was easy. Um, I'm all around back inside because, like, I'm seriously starting to melt. This garage is not a great recording studio. And I use um, that as our outro. <laughs> that was easy. I'm, I'm out. Okay. Cat. Perfect. All right. I'll talk to you later. Sounds good. Folks, that was the uh, unintended end of this episode. Tune in next time for Purple Gold and Getting Old. The podcast is over and HSU still sucks. <laughs>